How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. But I've also seen quite a bit of people、uh, buying life insurance for the kids. What's going to happen if I actually either get sick or pass away and all whatnot? I would have left a lot of headache for my spouse and a lot of uncertainty for my kids. Welcome back, everybody, to this、uh, "How Is My Financial Health Doc" podcast, and、uh, we're gonna jump right in into the second part of "Think About the Kids"、uh, session with、uh, Ken Pei. So, in the last podcast, we specifically、uh, took a deep dive into RESP, the Registered Account、uh, for Education, but now we're gonna do another. Uh, 180,、um, and we're going to talk about kids and how to build for their future and protect their future from a financial standpoint, and have them start on a good foot.、Um, but instead of talking about、um, uh, an account for education, we're going to talk about everything else that needs that we need to do as parents to think about at least for our、uh, kids' future. And so I would like、uh, us to welcome back Ken to the show. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks, uh, Vu. I、uh, hope、uh, everybody's enjoying the nice summery weather,、uh, and、uh, hopefully our summer continues to extend. That's my hope. Okay, perfect. I'm so glad you are back with us, Ken,、uh, because this topic、uh, for the kids is actually a, a very important topic for me. As you know,、uh, I have、uh, two young children, and I know yourself. You have. A daughter who is now in university. Oh my God! How how time flies. And so, in thinking about the children,、uh, you mentioned there are three different topics that are important for us to、uh, at least approach.、Uh, one of them is、uh, the informal trust. We talked a little bit about that on our last podcast when we talked about the RSP. Because remember, we talked about a limit of fifty、uh, thousand lifetime. That we can contribute into the RESP,、uh, but what if I needed more? What if I think I need more because my kids are going to cost me more money in、uh, becoming a perpetual student? And so, what if I need more than fifty thousand? Where do I go? The second question that we want to talk about is how to set up our kids'、uh, future financially well, and how do we protect uh, their uh, life and their future income? And thirdly, I think it's important that we talked about, you know, guardianship and wills and power of attorney.、Uh, so, do you think these are topics that we should、uh, dive into,、uh, Ken? Yes,、uh, definitely. Definitely, we need to discuss about these things,、um, whether it is directly or indirectly related to、uh, your children's education or just your children's care in general. Okay, absolutely. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, first topic is the informal trust, 
And this, again, is back to the uh, saving enough money for our children's education that goes beyond the RESP. And so uh, take us right into it, uh, Ken. Right. So as we mentioned in our previous podcast on the education, and we delve a lot into the education savings plan, uh, there are different ways that we can fund our, our children's education. But, you know, we're talking about the kids, Vu, and, you know, when we think about these things, education is one of the things that we want to make sure we provide for our children for the future. It's something that we give them that they hopefully will never lose, right? Uh, but uh, there's other things that we have to consider, the care for children and whatnot. There's things that are not... Uh, that are not planned that may happen, so these are some things we have to discuss. Um, so for the first particular thing that we talk, we're talking about is actually saving money for them on top of your RESP. One of the things that you can set up for your child if they are a minor is what we call an informal trust. It's an easy account to open, actually, in your, with your financial institution. And basically what it is is that you as a parent, as an adult, or a grandparent, you can go ahead and set up an informal trust uh, uh, for the child. Um, who pays for the taxes on the quote is still the person who set it up, so whether the, the parent or the grandparent, uh, you can put it, you can invest it the way you want to. You can put it in stocks, you can put it in bonds, in GICs, you can put it in mutual funds, uh, and grow it through the years. By the time that your child or your grandchild uh, turns 18, at least in Ontario, uh, then that informal trust can now be switched into their own personal account. So the person who opened the account uh, operates and is the guardian of the account until such time the account is transferred to the beneficiary. Is that correct? Right. In some ways, yes, Vu. So when you set up an informal trust account uh, uh, for someone, um, you're basically, in essence, saying that this money is for that person. That's, this money is committed to be given to that person, which is why in many financial institutions, if not all, uh, if you pull that money from an informal trust account, uh, a check will be written to, towards an informal trust account for the same beneficiary, not to the person who opened the account. Does that make sense? So what's going to happen then is that, yes, you as a person who is in charge or the trustee of this account, uh, are still, uh, you're still re uh, responsible for the taxes uh, on this account, but uh, in essence, the money should be actually saved for the beneficiary uh, for the time when the person actually is now on age of maturity, then you move it over to them. Now, you also mentioned taxes. So how do the taxes work? Uh, in that account and so if the money is growing uh, how is tax paid and who pays it so taxes in this in this type of account are still uh, at least at this time there's still actually the responsibility of a trustee so if you open this account and you're putting money into it in trust for your child the grandchild uh, the taxes because the child is a minor right so the taxes are still under your responsibility to pay, um, but, you know, just like uh, a non-registered taxable account, if you have one, like you have a chunk of money that you're investing on a non-registered account, um, if you, let's say, buy a mutual fund for $10 a unit, and then five years later, it's now $20 per unit, there's a capital gain, 
unless you sell it, you don't have to pay taxes on it, right? Uh, but there are some dividends, interest, and what other things that you might have to pay taxes for on an annual basis, and that's the responsibility of the trustee. Okay, got it. And so um, the trust account, informal trust account, is really just another non-registered account where you can save some money for a beneficiary in the future down the road. And so that's another way of saving money. But again, this time it would be taxable, unlike a uh, RESP account. So now let's uh, jump into the second topic uh, for the kids. How do we set them up uh, nicely for the future? The second topic that we wanted to address was the, the topic of uh, life insurance. Uh, so Ken, uh, share with us your thoughts about that uh, in terms of life insurance for our children. Right. So actually, when it comes to life insurance, uh, there's two sides to the coin here when we're talking about our children. One is when they're young and they're still minors, and one is when they're adults and we are seniors. So let's talk a little bit about when they're young. So why is this important is because, you know, we, we can take on the risk of if we die or pass away or do, uh, something happens to us, uh, then uh, if we have a lot of savings, and hopefully that risk, if we take that, the savings will be enough to take care of everything. If you are a young family, chances are you are still kind of like start, starting your career or somewhere in a growth stage in your career still, and maybe you're not making that much money. If you're a practitioner, a medical practitioner, maybe you're, you're not making as much money as you needed. So maybe you're still paying your university bills, right? So, uh, so the thing is, the one thing that is important about uh, this life insurance is that to protect your loved one. If anything should happen to you, and you want to make sure that your children's, number one of the things we're talking about is education, your children's education is covered, because remember with the RESP, um, some of us may actually put a lump sum, but that 50000 may not be enough to, for them to go to grad school. Uh, or uh, we might actually have to slowly put annually a certain amount of money, and that may not be enough if you actually prematurely die at a very young age. So now, in order for you to ensure that should anything happen to you, and especially if you're a high-income earner in the family, uh, then, and you want the kids to be covered in terms of education, and life insurance can replace that, right? Uh, so you can buy that and make sure that, you know, you, you, that covers if you die. The other thing that you have to start thinking about is not just the education part of this. It's also the care for the child uh, or the children. Um, so whether you and your wife are both medical practitioners, which I noticed that in, with many people, they actually are both medical practitioners, uh, even if both of you are making a good sum of money, you have to think about certain things. Because sometimes people tell me, uh, well, Ken, she's going to be okay, he's going to be okay, because they both are making six figures. Okay. But then you also have to think, as a family practitioner, or as a specialist, as a, as a medical practitioner, will you be able to take time off from your practice to take care of the young kids? Or do you have to hire somebody full-time to take care of them? Yeah. Or if you don't have family around you. So you're going to have to incur additional costs just for the care of the children if one of the income goes away because that person dies. So this is the other one thing that can be covered through your life insurance. You have to start thinking, 
do I want to provide an additional income for the family uh, to take care of the kids until maybe they turn 25 or 30 years old? And that will cover that, and that will be part of the insurance needs analysis that you're going to make, right? So that's when the children are young. Vu, did you want to talk about when the children are older and we're seniors? Right. So uh, the on the flip side of things, if there is, say, for example, uh, a, in a situation where now we are older, we're seniors, um, we're retired, and our children are also growing up and they probably have their own careers, maybe, maybe not, they have their own families. Uh, but the main, uh, main point here is that our stage in life, as if, uh, if our listeners are all medical practitioners, and we're in our later stage in life, and we're now retiring. The life insurance actually is an important part of your planning as well. Because when you're looking at this, um, you're going to go ahead and figure out, okay, if something were to happen to me, and whether I, if, I, if you plan well, then you probably have a very large estate. If you kind of fail to plan properly, you probably have just an average estate. But then you're also thinking, then what's going to happen if I actually either get sick or pass away and, uh, or whatnot. What's, who's going to have to handle my estate? That's where we're going to talk about the wills and the powers of attorney later. But then there's things that need to be covered. For example, it could be estate taxes or capital gain taxes. Uh, so we have a few things to consider, which in this case when we are senior, seniors, we can use the life insurance to provide for some of these things. The other thing, too, is that if you really haven't really saved much or you wanted to just go provide a, a, an additional inheritance for your children because, just because you wanted to, uh, then the life insurance will also cover that as well. But these are some things that you need to consider uh, for the future. So, Ken, we talked about, you know, the parents buy life insurance uh, so that, you know, at time of death they have enough money left behind for the kids. But I've also seen quite a bit of people uh, buying life insurance for the kids. What I mean is the insurer are actually the children. Uh, I'm uh, very positive on that aspect, and I actually like the idea of doing that. I, I would like to get your sense of what you feel about uh, having the children as the insurer, and when should that be started? Yeah, so setting up... A life insurance policy for your children, I think, is, is not a bad idea uh, for many reasons. But the number one thing that you need to be asking yourself as an individual or as a couple is, you know, why am I, why am I buying this uh, policy for? But there are some pros into this. There's some benefits to it. So, for instance, at a very young age, the premiums for your child's uh, life is very low. So if you can get them, because there's different types of life insurance you can buy, if you can get them a life insurance at a very young age with a very low uh, premium, then that really saves money for you or for them in the long run. Now, one of the things that you and I, Vu, had chatted about is that uh, potentially maybe we can pass on the ownership to our children someday so that when they have their own family, they can continue on and still continue to enjoy the low premium. So that's another option because it kind of gives, as a parent, if you really want to do that, that it kind of gives them a head start in terms of their own estate planning, right? So it helps them too. Or 
even at a very young age, when they, let's say, get a mortgage and they need a, a life insurance policy to cover their debt, uh, then they already have it. They don't have to get another one, and it's at lower premium. So there are some good things about it, uh, which I think is not a bad idea. How young you can start, I'm not too sure exactly. I know that uh, at a very young age, um, some, some policies would actually allow you to have a rider where uh, you can get 10000 or 20000 I can't remember, and things change too through time. So you got to have to confirm that with your insurance agent. Uh, but then you can just put a rider, even in your company plans, if you work for a certain hospital or a certain uh, corporation, uh, usually they would have something like that as well. Yeah, so I like the idea of uh, purchasing life insurance for their children at a very young age because you actually crystallize the health of the child in a policy at a very young age. And, you know, who knows, maybe the child will go up to have XYZ conditions that make them now uh, not legible for a, uh, a insurance policy. So starting young when they have absolutely no medical illness could be a good idea. The other thing that I've thought about is buying um, whole life insurance for the kids with a cash value. Uh, and so as that build up, uh, the fat, the cash value builds up over time. And at some point, uh, that policy could be transferred to the child who now uh, owns a life policy with a significant amount of cash value. And that amount could be used to either fund their post-education or it could be used to fund a business or different type of investment that they feel is needed. But it definitely helps them uh, set um, into the world with a positive uh, footstep. Yes, uh, that makes a lot of sense, Vu. Um, now, you just have to kind of think, uh, this is the reason why I say you got to go ahead and discuss this with your insurance agent, is because there's different types of products and solutions out there. Uh, whole life policies were participating. Some of them have cash render vouchers, especially the permanent ones. Um, of course, you have to weigh uh, the pros and cons of it because if you have a life insurance, then it's uh, it's a pretty good policy. Uh, you probably don't want to surrender that. But there are some types, like a universal life uh, policy, right? And I don't want to get into too much detail here because I think you should still continue to consult your insurance specialist when it comes to these things. But a universal life policy, for instance, is a very uh, flexible type of policy for, for the most case, for the most part. Uh, you have a life insurance on one end, and you can have you can overfund it a little bit, uh, and then invest that money to grow. And then, so uh, through time, if it continues to grow, then your child will be able to keep up with the inflation, the cost of living, uh, with the policy growing as well, because the investment side of the of the uh, universal life policy hopefully will grow too and will provide a benefit that is larger than the initial base value that you applied for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whether it's a universal life or a participating life, uh, the cash value that is sitting inside the policy uh, does not need to be surrendered, really. It could be collateralized or pledged against a line of credit uh, that could be used uh, whichever way the the now adult child wants to use it. But I, I get your point. The point is having a cash value on the side in addition to the face value uh, that could uh, financially help them make a step forward in the future and pay for things that they may want to pay um, 
and uh, and uh, use it as they see fit. Okay, so we're now uh, at our last uh, topic for uh, think about the kids here, uh, and that is the topic of guardianship and the topic of will and power of attorney. Uh, so uh, lead us into that discussion, um, Ken. And what are the things that you um, talk uh, to your clients about? What are the different recommendations and the rationale for uh, going into those type of topics uh, at a very early stage in planning? Right. So when it comes to planning, there's like I mentioned in, I don't know if it was this podcast or the one before this, uh, I did. I think I mentioned that we can look into it into the terms of two stages in life. One is when the children are young, and one is when we are seniors. So while the children are young, one of the things that we need to consider is guardianship. Um, typically, most husbands and wives in their younger years, when they have a young family, don't necessarily think of who's going to be the guardian of our children. Why? Because most of the time, we're thinking, if I die, my spouse will take care of the kids. And if she dies, then I will take care of the kids. So that's the norm, but then at the same time, one of the things that we need to really think through is what if we both were on a trip somewhere and uh, the plane crashed and we both died? Who's the guardian? So one of the things that you need to consider when it comes to your wills is to assign or appoint a guardian other than the both of you, so kind of like your contingent guardian, uh, so that if both of you pass away, or one of you passes away before the other, and now there's nobody else there. While the children are minors, there has to be somebody you can trust that will take care of the children. So that's the guardianship that is important. Uh, you need to put that into your will, uh, because uh, otherwise, then uh, you're going to leave it in the hands of somebody else to decide where the children will go, and right? Who's going to take care of them and provide for their needs? Uh, so that's for the guardianship. Um, now, uh, when you think about the flip side of things, now you're older, uh, you're a senior, your children are now growing up, and they're probably in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. Uh, and so now you're older, but then you're now thinking of your will, and your children are now an important part of that uh, in terms of your powers of attorney and your will. Who's going to take care of you if something happens to you or both of you? So... Uh, and most likely, in most cases, it's the children, and sometimes it's not somebody Somebody else will take care of you, but that's the reason why you need to have a power of attorney. Uh, that's the reason why you need to have a will and, and, and stipulate that and say, who's going to be the beneficiary, who's going to be the executor, um, who's going to take care of, my, uh, of me. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, if you, uh, say, uh, we, I had a, a client who... Uh, who was in his mid-40s and was actually in a vegetative state in, in the hospital here. And he can't, of course, make decisions because he's, he is in coma. Uh, so, but then he also had, his parents had to pay bills uh, to the hospital for whatever treatment that needs to be paid for out of their own pocket. So they come to me and they say, can, can we take, we know our son has some savings uh, in his RSPs, can we go ahead and use that money, withdraw that to pay for his bills? But the answer, when I, digged in, when I dug into it, was no, because they were not powers of attorney. They were the beneficiaries, but the son was still alive. So we, they can't touch that money, so they have to dip into their own savings 
to be able to take care of their son. And if you're a senior, and that may be that may also be true for your case, uh, and your children might have to be burdened uh, taking care of you because they might not have access to your account if you, if they're not the powers of attorney. I want to uh, remind the audience that a attorney is could be attorney of care, but also attorney of finance, and some are attorney of both. But just because you're a, an attorney doesn't give you the right to decide on care if you're only attorney for finance and vice versa. So it's very important to determine all that uh, and be written in a will uh, in black and white because as you uh, as you know, Ken, uh, when you've dealt with, uh, with clients, um, these clients come with family and family have their own family dynamics. And it is not during a time of stress and during a time of critical illness that we sort out the different family dynamics and so it's very important that all these is written in in black and white so that um, the people who are making the decisions uh, know exactly what needs to be done right and Vu, um so just wanted to uh, add that um you know the will to just for clarification for everybody because sometimes people get mixed up with this the will separate is different from a power of attorney so the power of attorney is in effect while you're still alive. Okay, somebody can represent you. That's your attorney. The will, will the power of attorney will lose its effect when you pass away. That's when your will comes in, and the executor now will take over and now do whatever your wishes are based on your will. No, that that is an absolutely great point. Uh, the attorney is while you're still alive, but cannot make a decision, and the will only kicks in after death. So uh, before we close, I think that it's important that we kind of stress a few things here. Our children, I know, is very important. They're the future of our world, um, and they're the apples of our eyes for some of us, and sometimes for some of us, <laughs> we, we it's hard for us to love them, but we still love them, right? And so it's so important that if you have very young kids, uh, to make sure that you appoint a guardian uh, aside from yourselves, if anything should happen to you. Uh, otherwise, um, you will probably not rest in peace because you're thinking, who is going to take care of my child? So that's important to make sure you stipulate that into your wills. Uh, if you have young kids uh, or kids who are disabled and need extra care, right? Uh, so uh, that's important there. And for your own selves, as you're getting older, uh, please, I, I ask of you as especially when you're 60s, 70s, especially, to start really considering if you've never had a financial planner, to start talking with your financial planner about your estate because that is so important. You want to put your ducks in a row before anything happens. You know, especially if you're a medical practitioner, you would appreciate what I'm saying. People will all of a sudden not expect they're so healthy the next day. They're starting to forget things and, and whatnot. So... Uh, we just need to be ready while we're healthy. You are again, you know, hitting it on the nail. Um, I I work with my financial planner uh, many many years ago, and I talked about uh, you know setting up a power of attorney and setting up and updating my will, and did not get that done until uh, just before COVID hit. Uh, but it still took me four years to get to it. And the common argument that I have or that I kept giving 
is the same argument that everybody keeps giving is I have no time, right? We're all very busy uh, in our work, especially healthcare professionals. We always claim that we're busy and we are. And so we always put it aside and never get it done until uh, it's either too late. And um, I was so happy I got it done before COVID uh, because I work in a very high risk environment. I'm an eMERGE doc and God forbid if I catch COVID, I may potentially die. Uh, and if I had died without doing my will, then I would have left a lot of headache for my spouse and a lot of uncertainty for my kids. So I was extremely happy that I, I got it done uh, prior to COVID, but it still took me four years to get it done. So definitely, I like, like Ken, I urge everybody to think, get it done, don't waste time. We're all busy, we all give the same arguments, but if we don't do it, nobody else will. And so not having time is not a really good argument at the end of the day. Uh, that's what I said to myself and finally got it done. So thank you, Ken, for uh, reminding us of that very, very important message. Thank you, Ken, again, for coming on the show. You have been amazing uh, and you have provided us with a lot of useful information. I hope you enjoyed yourself today, Ken. Yeah, thanks, Boo. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And hopefully you guys uh, picked up some things here that you can use on a practical sense. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to also start planning for the future as well and then protect the family. Take care, everybody. So, folks, there you have it. Uh, that's the the second uh, podcast on the series of Think About the Kids, uh, what we need to do to make sure that we set them uh, in life in a good, positive way and having a good, positive step. So uh, I hope uh, the audience enjoyed the, these two sessions, uh, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you, and uh, have a good one. Bye. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.